Hello there, welcome to a brand new Arse Blog Arsecast right here on arseblog.com. Hope you're well. After what has been, well, a pretty interesting week, but also you might go so far as to say that it has been a bizarre week. Now, you might look back and think, what was bizarre? Well, let's examine. Firstly, if you'd said to me on Monday that the FA would look at Gabrielle's red card issued to him by Mike Dean on Saturday at Stamford Bridge and overturn it, I would have said, not a hope in hell. You're absolutely out of your mind. You're crazy, bonkers. No way is that going to happen. And then it happened. They rescinded the red card. They looked at some extra video evidence, which apparently showed him not making any contact at all. But from, you know, I watched it. It was kind of inconclusive. You couldn't say for sure that he didn't uh, he didn't make contact with him. But anyway, the, the, the red card is overturned. And uh, strangely, bizarrely, as part of this bizarre thing, Gabrielle now faces a charge of improper conduct for his reaction to a red card which the FA have now said shouldn't have been issued in the first place. So that's kind of that's strange and all in itself, right? So then there's uh, White Hart Lane, Capital One Cup. Arsenal win 2-1. That in itself is not strange. Arsenal beating Tottenham 2-1 is something that happens quite regularly. It's happened a lot in my lifetime. Uh, I think we've seen that scoreline at White Hart Lane many times. The fact that the goals came from Matthew Flamini, though, that was a bit strange. Let's face it. Never scored two in a game before for Arsenal or in his career, as far as I can see. And the guy has been, well, I won't say much on the fringes, but on the fringes of the fringes. But he hasn't been in the squad very much. Made the bench a couple of times this season. The last time he started a game was February. In the FA Cup against against uh, Middlesbrough. That was the last time he started a game. He's thrust into action because of an injury to the cock. And because, well, the manager rotated. Using his squad to the to the full extent. And, you know, you look at the team that started against Tottenham at uh, White Hart Lane on Wednesday and you're thinking, well, we've no Alexis. We've got no, we've got no Mesut Ozil. We've got no Santi Cazorla because he's, uh, he's suspended. Aaron Ramsey isn't scoring. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain isn't scoring. Theo Walcott's on the bench. Did I say that? Or, you know, we just, it was hard to see where it was, where it was going to come from. And then... A hero came along. He did, he cast those fears. Poor Matthew. He was so strong. Yeah, a hero lies in inside Matthew. And oh, what a hero. What a first goal. Smashed it into the roof of the net. Look, 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 am I alone in thinking that he came really close to missing that one? But look, we won't dwell on that. But the second one, woof, what a goal. What a goal that was from, from Matthew Flamini. Balls falling from 300 feet in the air. Nobody's going anywhere near it. No Tottenham defenders thinking, well... None of these Arsenal players can do anything with this. Oh, fuck. Ball dropped. Flamini's running onto it. Just perfect. What an absolutely brilliant goal. And, uh, you know, nice to see it as well. You know, he wouldn't necessarily be my favourite player in the world, but, you know, I think the criticism that's been levelled at him has been a bit too harsh. I said it in the blog this week that, you know, just because you don't get the new thing, it doesn't mean the old thing is 
is totally worthless. So it was good. And this is what you need when, when, when games like this come along and the manager feels like he has to rotate, maybe not quite as much as uh, we would have liked. You know, you can rotate one or two or three, but not all of them. Um, but, but when that happens, you need these guys to come along and, and, uh, and take their chances. And Flamini, having been out in the uh, out in the cold for so long, he's come along and said, "Well, fuck this. I'm I'm having a great go." And it's also Tottenham. Fuck this. Fuck those guys. I'm going to show them. So he did two goals, and Arsenal win the game two one. That's also that's also quite bizarre. And then when you think back on it in general, the whole the whole lot of it, Callum Chambers has scored two own goals in a week because the one at Chelsea that uh, they all wanted to claim for uh, for Eden Hazard, the shot that went in off Chambers has been given to Chambers as an own goal. And we know that he scored an own goal against uh, against Tottenham on Wednesday night. A bit unlucky. I thought he was sort of left exposed a bit by, uh, by uh, Debussy there. Uh, but look, that's two own goals in a week for one player. That's unusual. And of course, the three red cards in the last three games... That's also sort of unusual. So the whole week has been strange and weird, but it feels a bit better now, doesn't it? It feels kind of better having come through that and winning in the Capital One Cup, winning away from home, winning at White Hart Lane, scoring a couple of goals, and maybe, just maybe, this is the kind of the the, the, the kickstart that we need for our season. Like, if you can't take some momentum and belief off beating Tottenham at home, then I'd be really, really worried. So let's use that and 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 take it into the rest of uh, the rest of the season, or or even just the next game. That would be good. That would be good. But look, Gabriel's red card overturned. Hilarious, particularly as Chelsea saw Diego Costa, rightly in my opinion, banned for three games for violent conduct. And uh, it was interesting. Some of the pundits leaping to his defence during the week: Gary Neville, Robbie Savage. You would think they would probably be on different sides of the thing and Neville saying that it's not violent conduct. I think there's there's no way you can say that's not violent conduct. I don't really understand it. How can you how can you put two hands in a player's face and try and push his face off and backhand it without that being violent conduct? The video people looked at it and they said it's violent conduct. Three games. Off you go, Diego Costa. Chelsea say they're extremely disappointed. <laughs> well, Tough shit. That's what I say. Jose Mourinho very unhappy after the game. I think you should speak about Gabriel Paulista. Good player. You should speak about him and about his mistake. There was, of course, no uh, acceptance on behalf of Mourinho that the Costa did anything wrong. He said that that's, that's what people want to see from football. He played like he has to play. And that's why... You have full stadiums, you sell to televisions all around the world for millions and millions because the game has to be played like that. Now, I could be wrong, but I suspect that the reason stadiums are full and millions have been spent by television companies on on broadcasting rights in the Premier League is because people want to actually see good football. They want to see the best players in the world play football against each other, not squabble like idiots, right? That's my that's my thinking on it. I'd say that's the primary driver uh, of those things. And look, you know, uh, as Arsenal fans, we're aware that sometimes uh, football needs an edge. That's got to have an edge. 
You have players who are physical, who are hard, sometimes a bit dirty. But that's not the main reason why stadiums are full. We want to see good football. We want to see good football matches. We want to see, for the most part, 11 versus 11. And one of the things that concerns me a bit about football these days is just how many red cards are given uh, and how soft so many of them are, particularly ones with a, with a second yellow. Like, sending a player off really should be the last resort, unless it's something egregious, a really terrible foul or, or some act of, of genuinely violent conduct. I think referees should err on the side of caution. Like we saw with, with Coquelin at Crystal Palace, they were all screaming and shouting for Coquelin to be sent off. For what, though? He picked up a booking, sure, and he made a couple of fouls, but not every foul is a yellow card. And, and that fear, you can feel it in fans these days. As soon as somebody gets a yellow card, you, you, you see people all the time go, let's take him off. Let's make a change. Let's substitute him. Because as fans, we have no faith in a system of refereeing that will allow some leeway for a player to, to make another mistake, a genuine mistake on the pitch. But then when you've guys like Diego Costa who are actively trying to, to get players sent off, who cheat, who wind up referees, who wind up opposition, who, who, who try and provoke things, that's really annoying. And I don't think that's any way uh, the way football should be played. If that's the way Diego Costa has to play because that's his character, that's fine. But let's have it out in the open and referees can treat him accordingly. If they know that he's somebody who dies or makes the most of contact or tries to provoke other players, let them deal with it in that way. Instead, Mike Dean, as much as anyone else, got suckered by the Chelsea players and their behaviour and the way, that they, uh, the way that they try and police the game themselves and the way that too often they're allowed to do that. So look, uh, you know, I think it's clear uh, if anyone has listened to this podcast or read the blog over the years, I'm not any great fan of Jose Mourinho, but what he's talking about there about this is how football needs to be played and that's what football needs to do to keep stadiums full and keep people interested, it's absolute bollocks. I mean, he's spoken some absolute bullshit in his time, but this is right up there with the worst of it. However, he is uh, without his star striker for three games and uh, Justice in some ways has been done. We'll talk about that a bit later on with our guest uh, today. Not necessarily Justice as it should have happened or could have happened, at the right time, but they're without Costa for three games, and he's got to deal with that because he's the one that allows Costa to behave in that way. And his reaction to Gabriel getting his red card overturned, I'm guessing it went a little bit like this. What is this? What? What is this? For what? Why? Why? What is this? What? What is this? For what? Why? What? What is this? I was going to do like a 12-inch version of that extended mix, just a minute of him going, what, what, what is this? For what? Why? Why? For what? For what? But I figured you, you've kind of had enough Mourinho in your ears at this point. So let's get on with talking to somebody who we uh, who we do want to listen to. And joining me to discuss the week that was, everything that's gone on, it's a former gunner and presenter of The Breakdown on Arsenal.com. It's Adrian Clark. Welcome back, Adrian. Hi, Andrew. Yeah, good to be with you. Uh, a nice morning to, uh, to discuss Arsenal after what had been a difficult week or so uh, with a couple of defeats. But a, a win in a North London derby is always great and an unlikely hero. Yeah, it's yeah, very much so. Yeah, it, it was a difficult week, but but like you say, winning the North London derby will will cure any headache, won't it? Mm. So um, so we're all feeling a little bit perkier today, um, and I thought it was a good performance at White Hart Lane. I I thought it wasn't perfect; it, it was quite an even game, 
but there was there was a bit of fight in the players um, considering a lot of them were lacking match fitness and sharpness they they dug in as a team and as you say I think I think Mathieu Flamini epitomised the performance really I, I thought I thought he was excellent in midfield and, and no one <laughs> would have called him being the hero of the hour with two goals so um, so yeah hats off to the team and I think they'll be better for the win Let's talk a little bit about Flamini because this was his first appearance of the season uh, he, he's made the bench a couple of times but he hasn't gotten the pitch uh, there was a lot of talk during the summer about how Arsenal were perhaps willing to let him go. It was something that he referred to uh, in the post-match interview. He said he heard what people have been saying, and I don't think he meant just the press because there have been elements of the fans who would have been, I think, probably happy to see him go, uh, particularly as that might have meant uh, a signing coming in. So in terms of where he would have been in his own head last night going into that game, having been on the fringe has been very peripheral to come in and perform like that how difficult is it to do that very um, I, I think Mathieu Flamini would maybe have seen it as his last chance his last chance to remind Arsene Wenger and the, and the fans what a good player he can be and, and, and if he hadn't have performed well we may not have seen him again it's as simple as that I mean hopefully Francis Coquelin isn't going to be missing for, for too long in, in that midfield role and with so much other competition for that position uh, or any position in central midfield his chances are still going to be few and far between but but the fact that he he dug in he couldn't have been feeling sharp no. because because he's he, I don't even think he's played for the under 21s training is no substitute for matches so I thought it was a, a remarkable performance really admirable in the fact that that his fitness was up to scratch and that he was able to to influence the game in, in a positive way so I think it's testimony to his determination and professionalism really that, he, that he's kept himself in, in in such good shape physically and mentally that he was ready we hear players talk about it all the time oh yeah you've got to be professional you've got to be ready in case in case you're called upon but not everyone is like that mm. but clearly clearly he is because he, he was ready for the moment and he took his chance so uh, he deserves the plaudits it would have been easy to to mope i guess you know yeah. when, you, when you're that far down the pecking order and a bit... as a senior player too yeah. because, because senior players they don't want to be on the bench. We saw that with Lucas Podolski. He had to go. He had to get football. He, he wasn't the type that was going to be willing to sit around and, and be a bit part player. Flamini, maybe he's a little bit more humble and, and happy to, to, to just be part of the squad. But, but yeah, I think we should give him a pat on the back for, for staying professional. And, and for some finish for that second goal, because that is an extremely difficult skill to, to pull off. Yeah, have we been playing him too deep? That's the question. <laughs> I mean, maybe he should be the understudy to Aaron Ramsey or something, you know, because he he, he got forward twice to he, he timed those runs forward to score to score both goals. But yeah, I mean, it's a really hard skill. We it's the kind of skill you sometimes practice in training. Managers will sometimes chuck balls into the air for you to for you to kind of hit out of the sky. And they can go anywhere, um, but yeah, he kept his eye on it. It was it was textbook, really, and yeah, the control of the finish kind of belied his reputation mm. as as a bit of a bit of an, an enforcer, a, a basic player. He's he's got more to his armory than that, clearly. Mm. 
And, and he still managed to absolutely flatten Danny Rose out of nowhere. <laughs> so there was that part of it too. So. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to lose the uh, lose what makes him, you know, the player, the, the cult hero, really, I guess, yeah. is the best way to describe him. And yeah, a couple of trademark ch- uh, tackles in, in the game. <laughs> Arsene Wenger rotated again when perhaps people thought he might pick a stronger side given the circumstances because the loss against Zagreb the loss against Chelsea it felt like a game that Arsenal really had to get themselves going in he gave chances again to players who who hadn't quite performed in Zagreb Matthew Debushi um struggling a little bit at, at right back is there a sense that he's he's trying a bit too hard that um watching him last night he seemed positionally uh, a bit all over the place in that he was trying to to get involved in the game perhaps in areas where he didn't need to um yeah. does he need to sort of go back to basics a bit in terms of his defending yeah maybe yeah i i think yeah you're right to point him out it wasn't his finest game he wasn't brilliant in zagreb either was he and um i you know when he's had to sit there and watch hector bellerin come in and take his place and be so effective going forward i guess it's probably human nature that he he just has that inclination to try and do the same, but but his strengths are in different areas. He, he he's a, he's a solid defender. He's the type that that, that will tuck in alongside his centre halves and and make a team compact. And and I think he did that in the final half an hour after Tottenham got their equaliser. He actually, which I would partially apportion blame to him not getting quite tight enough for, for, to Nasser Chadley um, it, was, it was easy to skip round in a dangerous area but after that he, he, he got better um, I also think it's important to remember and we all forget this it's just some players some characters find it harder than others to come in and out of the team clearly Mathieu Flamini is someone who, who can handle it other players need two, three, four games to get up to speed. Wayne Rooney's like that at Manchester United. He's, tr- he's a traditionally slow starter. And it just, it, I don't think it suits Mathieu Debushi to, to be in and out of the team. And and I think that has had an impact on his performance level. But look, he, I, I'd have been tempted to take him off at one point during yeah. the game, but, but the manager stuck with him. And it, it was a wise decision ultimately because he got better he improved his confidence and he also got 90 minutes. So so moving forwards, I think Debushi will be in much better nick if he's needed again soon. Sure. And it does feel as if this team, from the start of the season, has needed something to, to spark it. And my hope was that after what happened against Chelsea, there would be almost a galvanising effect um, based on the disciplinary things which we'll come to in a moment, but also the fact that, that there was a sense of injustice about having lost that game. Um, can, can we look at this North London derby as perhaps something that might spark the team, that might give it a kick that it needs to, to get going? It should do. It really should, but we won't know that, will we, until, until the weekend against Leicester, which would be which would be a really tough examination as well. But yeah, it should, because because I think there was an injustice. We all, we all know that. And and to win the North London derby, you need it, it. It was a difficult game. I know that Tottenham rested a lot of players as well, but but it wasn't easy. Um, difficult, hostile place, and they 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 dug in as a team. And I think they they showed a resilience that 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 will re- maybe remind everyone of what they had towards the end of last season. It's, it seems like that that they, that had not been lost a touch in recent weeks. So yeah, I, I hope so. And. You know, Arsenal are quite streaky, aren't they? Mm. Tend to go on, tend to go on on some good runs from time to time. So, um, we'll hope so. It's important as well, isn't it? Because 
uh, at the moment we're in a period where Arsenal are playing uh, every three days or you know there's midweek football quite often we've got a Champions League game next week against Olympiacos that it is absolutely necessary for the manager to to be able to rotate his squad and to have some faith in the players that are there and he said before the the Tottenham game that we don't have fringe players here we've only got good players we've only got first team players and you yeah. know I, he he says those things and every manager will say those things about about their own squad because you know you don't want to be dismissing half of the players who don't play every week and mm. it's no good for their confidence but it's it's important then that they did respond and were able to get a win and kind of remind people that they do still have a contribution to make. Definitely, yeah. I mean, they are good players. Arsene Wenger isn't making that up. They, you know, if they were fully matched, fit and sharp, they they would, you know, talent-wise, that they're, they're on a par, most of those players, with, with the guys that are currently in the, in the number one lineup. So there isn't a lot to choose between them. You're right to say this is a period of the season where you need to rotate. Personally, I, I'm more of a fan of gentle rotation. I, I, I don't think I would have gone for 10 changes personally. Obviously, it worked, so, so, so that's a good thing. But yeah, I, I always think two or three changes is enough. And, and you think about um, Sir Alex Ferguson down the years. I thought he was one of the best rotators there's been. And he just had a knack for just sensing who needed a breather when without making sweeping changes throughout the team and weakening it so so yeah I think over the coming weeks two or three alterations when required but but I, I don't want to see you know 10 or 11 changes you know every sure. time we play we play in a cup game let's go back to what happened in midweek then and a, a remarkable turn of events with with regard to Gabriel, I don't think anybody could be surprised that Diego Costa was was banned after the fact for for what he did. Uh, even if Chelsea said they're extremely disappointed, I don't think they can really have any um, any complaints. No, he could have, he could have been booked about five or six times. Couldn't yeah. He? So, yeah, so yeah, and say, and given a couple of reds. So yeah, no, <laughs> justice has been served on Costa. But but Gabriel. Uh, look, uh, as Arsenal fans, we look at the FA and think we're, we're never going to get any favours from them. They might even give him an, uh, an extra game for a frivolous appeal if we appeal yeah. this rank card. But amazingly, he's <laughs> the, the the thing was rescinded altogether. Was that a big surprise to you? Yeah, got to be honest, it was. I, I didn't think he did a lot wrong in the first place when when he got involved uh, to pull Costa away. I don't mm. think that really warranted a yellow card in the first place. So he's unlucky there. I mean, when you see the different views, and I think we, hopefully most people have seen the, the the different view. I think was it from ESPN Brazil? Yeah, uh, and and it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing, was it? It was it was silly on Gabriel's part, and he did retaliate and he did allow himself to be goaded, which, as Arsene said, he needed to to tell him that was wrong. But but was that was never a red card? It should never be a red card if the rules state that that's violent play. Then that you know I'm not, I'm not having that really. So so no, I I mean I was surprised because Arsenal don't tend to get too much good good fortune from the FA and and sympathy. But you know I, I think I, I can see why they've overturned it. Maybe they just looked at the extreme provocation and and, and felt that you know what he did actually quite well not not to rise to the bait even more aggressively than he did so um we'll take it and and uh, obviously there's we still don't know at this point whether there'll be a problem with them him not leaving the pitch um but i would guess the fact that the fa have now decided 
that he shouldn't have been sent off in the first place, then maybe they'll look at it and think, well, he had every right to, to protest while he was on the pitch. Yeah, and it does open up another can of worms, doesn't it? Because as much as we all want to see Diego Costa punished after the fact, mm. there's still the, the the fact that he got away with it during the game, and that had a big yeah. impact on, on what happened at Stamford Bridge. Arsenal lost... Um, yeah. Where do you stand on the idea of using video evidence? Because the thing that struck me during the during the the whole incident was how long it took for Mike Dean to get control of the situation um, to a certain extent, then lose control of the situation again, uh, sending Gabriel off. It was three or four minutes. We could easily have had a video referee looking at the footage uh, and talking to Mike Dean in his earpiece and telling him what he'd seen with regard to Koscielny uh, previous to that, that that would have been worthy of a red card. Um, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't do Arsenal any good now that Diego Costa has been suspended for three games. Um, yeah. The points are gone. So is this a discussion that needs to start happening? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm all for it. I've always, always have been. Uh, I, I've, well, I've written a few articles down down recent years about um, having video appeals. I, I think that's that's certainly something that could work. Where where a team that feel there's been an injustice, as as Arsenal would potentially there, Koscielny could have appealed and and said, "Look, you know, I've been smacked around the face here." I think that's I think that's a red card, and then they could have looked at it. Mm. The alternative that you were hinting towards is that maybe there's an intervention system um, where the referee, if he's not sure, can can call on the fourth official, and 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 I would be all in favour of that as well. I, look, I, yeah, as you rightly point out, it took four minutes. It was crazy. That could that could have been done and dusted. So yeah, either an appeal system or where the referee, if he's unsure. Um, they can they can go to go to the video ref and and they can decide it, we might as well do it. Is yeah. it isn't the point though as well that when when they talk about how video technology it might undermine referees uh, and their authority on the pitch that we're at home and within ten seconds we can see that a referee who only has one angle of it and is seeing it in real time we can see how he's got it wrong. Well, uh, over and over again from different angles that in itself is undermining the referees so I, I think people need to look at video technology as something that can help them get more things right rather than be something that d d detracts from the game because people have their objections based on well look if you're stop starting football um you know and, and there are obviously complications to overcome in that regard but surely the focus of the game's authority should be on helping referees get as much right as possible because we all want to see 11 versus 11 Arsenal versus Chelsea or Chelsea versus Arsenal the other day was a good game mm. until until the sides were uneven. Definitely, yeah. I mean, do cricket umpires do, do, do they have their noses put out of joint? Look, if they've got something wrong, they want to know about it. They don't want their decision to have a negative impact on on the match. So in cricket, in rugby, you know, in t in tennis, if if someone's got got a call wrong and it gets questioned. Everyone's okay about it. If if it turns out that they got it wrong, it's not undermining them. It's mm. just, it's just it's just getting to getting to the bottom of it nice and quickly and ensuring, as you say, injustices aren't aren't done. Because look, it costs people jobs. It costs people careers. And the, the, the ramifications of of that match, we might find them out in May. Say, for instance, Arsenal are, are two points or a point short of winning the Premier League. 
that 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 incident mm. would have been long forgotten, but but it ultimately it could have played a part in Arsenal not winning the title. So so yeah, I I think if there's a way of of of, of justice being served there and then, and there is, then let's use it. It's yeah. mad not to. Uh, and it's funny because Arsene Wenger even last night was still talking about uh, how how unhappy he was with what happened at Stamford Bridge. And he's normally somebody who can compartmentalise things pretty well. Yeah. He doesn't hold back at times, but, you know, it's done. We've moved on to the next game, uh, but he's still talking about it. So there, well, there's definitely something burning there. We, we would have been nine points if we'd have won. Not saying we'd have won the game, but we would have been nine points ahead of Chelsea. And, and they'd have been effectively out of the title race. Now now they'll feel they're back in it and, and Arsenal aren't even that far ahead of Chelsea. So so yeah, it was a massive call from Mike Dean. He didn't he didn't get it right. It it hampered Arsenal's chances of winning a critical match and it and it was all unnecessary because the technology's there. It was infuriating. That's the word I used on the breakdown and it, and it was for not just for me but for everyone. Arsenal strikers haven't really hit the height so far this season. There's a lot of talk about Olivier Giroud, who scored twice, Theo Walcott, who scored twice. Uh, Theo seems to be getting the nod uh, up front in the Premier League uh, ahead of Giroud. But what about Alexis Sanchez? Uh, Still to score this season, had a pretty good chance last night, and it was from the kind of position he, he scored a lot. That, that goal that he he cuts inside and, and bangs it in at the, the near post. We saw that more than once last season. Um, the, the finish that he came up with was a bit tame. Should we be worried or is it just a case that, look, maybe he's feeling the effects of, uh, you know, a long couple of years of football and hasn't quite, hasn't quite got his rhythm yet? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think we should be worried. I, I think every player has dips in form and, and he's having a dip in form. That's all, that's all it is. I think once he gets one goal... He'll the weight will be off his shoulders and and we'll see him flying again. It's it's all forward players are the same. We we're seeing it with Harry Kane at the moment. He, he's snatching at opportunities uh, because he's so desperate to score. And I think that's the case with Alexis as well. He yeah, he's just not he's just not firing on all cylinders. So who knows why? Who knows what's going on? I mean, he's such a fit fit player that I don't think it's tiredness or fatigue. It's just so you go, every, we all go through it. Um, you know, even even people who are journalists, you know, they go through patches where where the writing flows easily, and when it when when they get a little bit of writer's block, he's he's just it's not going so easily for him at the moment. But mm. he'll be all right. Um, I think Arsene Wenger is, is more likely to just stick with him though. Um, I don't see him taking him out of the firing line. That was probably the one rest he's going to get. He'll just keep playing and keep playing him until he gets it right. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. You know, people have been suggesting that maybe he needs to be taken out of the firing line a little, but, you know, when you've got a player of his quality and you've got important games, you have to trust in the quality above form, I guess. I think so, yeah. I mean, there's an argument to, to, to suggest that, you know, he, he imbalances it and with, with, with Alexis on the left and Ramsey on the right, then the team as a whole loses width, and I, I do see that because Alexis isn't 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 a typical winger either. What's the solution there then? Is it to to not play Ramsey on the right? Well, it's a system that worked perfectly well, didn't it? Towards the end of last season, when we beat everybody to to finish the campaign stronger than everyone else, we wiped the floor. In the, with Villa in the FA Cup final playing in that system so it's not like it, it can't work but, mm. but it's not everyone's cup of tea is it and, and when the team isn't, isn't flying and they're not flying at the moment then I, I think people will look at that so yeah it's about getting the balance right 
I think Olivier Giroud maybe has suffered a touch from that. I think the, the guys that tend to lay on the goals for Olivier Giroud aren't Alexis. They aren't Aaron Ramsey. It's, you know, when I'm, when I'm seeing Olivier Giroud score, I'm seeing fullbacks getting in behind opposition defenders and, and whipping them across the face of goal for him to, to, to nod in or tap in at the near post. Welbeck going past his man and squaring it for Giroud. So I think he misses that, that kind of service. Mm. But, but at the moment, I guess he's not first choice. It's, it's, it's Walcott that's got the nod. So, um, so that's maybe, you know, it doesn't even count. At the other end, we saw White Hart Lane, despite the own goal, and it has been given an own goal, and, and the one at Chelsea has also been given an own goal. So Callum Chambers <laughs> has unfortunately, <laughs> and, and you got you really got to feel for him, you know, two own goals in four days. Yeah. Um, you know, and I don't think anybody would apportion a huge, a huge amount of blame on him for either of them. But in general, after a really difficult first half that he had against Liverpool, the manager thought about taking him off but left him on because perhaps taking him off might even have been more damaging he had a, a reasonable second half then against Liverpool yep. uh, and since he's he's come back into the side a little bit he looks like uh, the confidence that he had in the early part of his Arsenal career has been somewhat restored he'd, he'd struggled a little bit after that game uh, was it at Swansea with, with yep. Montero um, and that's again I think a natural consequence of being a young player and being asked to make a, a big step up in terms of the type of football that you're playing but good to see him come in at, at centre-half particularly alongside Mertesacker who who I feel uh, perhaps Chambers and Mertesacker are, are the most alike uh, of the two centre-halves um, mm-hmm. whereas you could see either of them play very well with uh, Gabriel and Chambers and obviously we know Mertesacker and Koscielny are, are a good partnership mm-hmm. but, uh, but good to see him um, beginning to find his feet again Definitely, yeah. I, I, I thought he played well in in both games actually. When he, against Chelsea, he was he was decent. He didn't he didn't really make any mistakes. You couldn't you couldn't blame him for the own goal. And, and at White Hart Lane, he, he he was resilient. He defended well. And yeah, again, I think it was a mixture of things. I, I don't know if he got a shout from from Ospina for that. But yeah, no, I think his confidence is returning he's a good player there's there's no reason why anyone should be writing him off he, he's got lots and lots of potential I think we've got four good centre-backs I, I, I genuinely do I, I've never really felt that that was a major problem for us um, I, I think the priority for me would have been to to, to bring in someone to compete with Francis Coquelin for that enforcer role mm. and uh, and obviously another striker they were the two priorities but, but yeah no, I think we've got four good centre-backs and they can all play with one another. It, what, what was noticeable about Chambers and Mertesacker is that I think we defended a bit deeper, maybe too deep at times. We, we were having to defend on the edge of our six-yard box, which sure. was, of course, one or two alarm bells, um, maybe more often than we would have had to have done with Gabriel and Koscielny. But, they, you know, they, they, they mucked in and, and they, they defended properly. So uh, they deserve credit for that. Yeah. OK, well, look, very quickly, Leicester at the... Uh, the weekend tomorrow and well when when they appointed Claudio Ranieri everybody had a good old laugh and thought look this is going to be fantastic for everyone else uh, and they've been almost a revelation the way that they're playing the results that they've got and and with some real character in the side as well because they've come back a couple of times from from 2-0 down they won a game they drew a game uh, they've got some good players in there too some pacey attackers uh, so it's it's not going to be um it's not going to be easy for Arsenal tomorrow particularly as it's a ground that they uh, had a difficult time on last year as well 
Yeah, it wasn't a great performance at the King Power last year. I think we were a bit flat, and they did cause us problems. I remember that, especially on the break and, and down the flanks. Um, it, yeah, it was it was a tough test. Vardy's a player that that, that impresses me because he's different. He's not he's not your typical mm. modern day player, is he? He's like a throwback. Reminds me in a way of Paul Dickov, if you remember him. Yeah. Real pest um, for defenders, and 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 I can see him on the counter attack running those channels and asking questions of Arsenal's defence. So it's imperative that, that the full-backs don't, don't leave too many spaces and that the centre-backs allow themselves the room to, to, to track Vardy on the break. I think we're going to dominate possession in this match. Leicester aren't interested in keeping the ball. That They know they're at their most dangerous when they win it back and spring. And, um, yeah, it's, I think it's tailor-made, actually, for to be a difficult afternoon for Arsenal. We've got the quality. If we play like we can, we, we, we should still beat them comfortably. But it might not be a wholly comfortable afternoon at all. Well, yeah, that won't make any change to anything that's happened so far this <laughs> season. So. All right, well, look, we'll keep fingers crossed that maybe we can uh, get into our comfort zone a little bit in that one. Uh, but for now, we'll leave it there. Adrian Clark, thanks very much as always. Absolute pleasure, mate. You can follow Adrian on Twitter if you're not doing that already, at Adrian J. Clark, at Adrian J. Clark. And, of course, the breakdown on Arsenal.com takes a statistical, tactical, analytical view of all our Premier League games. You you can find that on arsenal.com. The breakdown with Adrian, uh, an absolute must watch. Still to come, we have got the winners of last week's competition. Uh, we had three copies of John Cross's Arsene Wenger book to give away. We've also got details of the Arsecast Extra live. Live! Uh, that's coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, actually, not even a couple of weeks. About 10 days' time from when you're listening to this. So I'll give you some details of what's going on there and uh, how you can get tickets. We'll look ahead to the Leicester game and and, um, and who knows what else? Probably nothing. But there you go. You, n- you never know. Could be a surprise. Probably won't be. I mean, I'm just saying there could be. Something could happen between, between now and the end of this podcast that we're not expecting, but it probably won't. So you'll just have to make do with all the other stuff that I said. But now, let's check in with uh, Amari Bischoff, P.I. I was sitting there trying to remember how to spell the name of my favorite ice hockey player when the guy walked into the office. What do you want, mister? I said, I'm kind of busy. I don't want to make a fool of myself in front of the whole world. I need your help, mister, he said. Oh, yeah, I said. With what? He said, I'm so angry. Maybe you should see a psychiatrist, I said. No, he said, you can help me. I need to find my inner being. What are you talking about, mister, I said. I'm a nice guy, he said, but when I get on the sports field, it's like I'm an animal. I lose control of myself. I just don't know what to do. It's it's like something's eating me up from inside. Maybe you can help me find it. Well, I don't know about that, mister, I said, but it's clear you got problems. I walked around and put my hand gently on his shoulder, at which point he fell on the ground, called the cops, and told them I'd assaulted and violated him. Anyone know a good lawyer? Right then, here we go. The final part of the podcast. What's going on? I don't quite know. That's the thing. I don't really know. Should be more exact than this, but I've just come back from doing a thing somewhere, and uh, and now my brain isn't where it was in the first part of the podcast. I know that I said I'm going to do the winner of the book competition, which I am, 
and the random number generator picked out three winners of the people that entered the competition to win a copy of uh, John Cross's book about Arsene Wenger. And those winners are Gary Carey, Joshua Prohl, or Prohl, well done to you, and Mohamed Toure, Toure, Mohamed Toure, Toure, Toure. Not Toure, Touray. I don't know, Mohammed. I'm sorry, I can't get your surname right. But you three guys have won a copy of the book. I will be in touch. I'll get your details and we'll get the book sent out to you ASAP. The other thing I was going to mention was the Arscast Extra Live. It's live. Uh, coming to you on Monday, October the 5th at the Garage in Highbury and Islington. Myself and James will be there with guests talking about Arsenal, talking about football, talking about... Well, anything. You know, if you've listened to the Arscast Extra, it could go in any direction whatsoever. But it comes just after the Manchester United game. So chances are we'll be talking a little bit about that and talking about football in general and talking about whatever you like. Because there's also, apart from the stuff that we'll do, uh, there'll be a Q&A session. So you can come along to the garage. Highbury and Islington kicks off about 6.30 or maybe. Yeah, that's when the, that's when the doors open. So uh, you can come along, have a beer, have two beers, have whatever you like to drink. I'm not going to tell you what you can drink or can't. You come along along, drink what you want or don't want, and uh, we'll be there. We can have the chats, the podcast chats, and, you know, we can hang around afterwards and, you know, maybe go bowling, stuff like that, steal a bowling ball. People do that. I think they do. I remember something like that happening before. But look, we will be there. So Monday, October the 5th, if you want tickets, which are, I think, £11, they were £10, but then the people that sell the tickets, they put a pound on it, which is nothing to do with us, and we don't get that pound. But anyway, uh, so £11, you can get them from myticket.co.uk. Just search for Arsecast or Arseblog, and also ctickets.com. I think that's what it is. I better just check that if I'm giving out uh, bad information. ctickets.com, exactly. Just search for Arseblog or Arsecast. Uh, no, actually search for Arsecast. I just searched for Arseblog there and nothing whatsoever came up. Uh, so ctickets.com, search for Arsecast and it'll bring up Arsecast Extra Live and you can buy the tickets there. So hope to see some of you uh, at the Arsecast Extra Live uh, on Monday, October 5th. Now, this is the time of the show where we look at the Leicester game and see what's going on there in terms of team news. But given that we made like all the changes for midweek uh, against Tottenham, you'd like to think that pretty much everybody is going to be fit. The only one we really have any worry about now, I suppose, is Francis Coquelin, whose swollen knee uh, ruled him out of the game against Tottenham in midweek. And, um, well, if he doesn't make it, we've got Flamini. It's all right now. We've got Flamini. He can do anything. He can do whatever you like. Car won't start. Flamini's there. Office needs cleaning. There's Flamini. Your wine glass is full of water. Fuck that shit. Flamini will turn that water into wine. Oh, yeah. So uh, we don't have to worry anymore about Coquelin being out because uh, we have Flamini. Pretty sure that's how it works. Um, so, look, I, I think the manager will make, obviously, some changes. Uh, having made all those changes in midweek, he, he's probably going to go back to most of the team that played against uh, Chelsea the weekend, last weekend. Um, and we got to hope that some of them spark themselves into life. Come on, Mesut Ozil, get going. Come on, Alexis, score some goals. Come on, Aaron Ramsey, get a goal there. Go on, Ramsey, do it. And all that kind of stuff. Leicester obviously are playing very well, and they've uh, they've shown some real character this season. They have. But too much character. I prefer if they weren't so characterly full, whatever the uh, whatever the uh, the suffix for that should have been. I don't know. Look, what can you do away from home? Is this like our fourth game away from home in a row or something? Seems like we're playing away a lot. 
How does that happen? I don't know. But look, let's try and build on what we did in midweek. We we beat Tottenham. We should be able to take some some belief and confidence and momentum out of that. Uh, the the draw at Leicester last season was a bit disappointing, but uh, the goal we conceded, if you remember, it was Koscielny, um got a bang in the head and he was, I think he was unconscious or knocked out or, or should have been taken off and then he couldn't jump for a header and some guy scored and it didn't work out. 1-1. Yaya Sonogo assist, if I if I recall correctly. So we, we're, we're missing that piece of the action tomorrow. But uh, look, let's hope that it all goes well. Three o'clock on Saturday. Come on, Arsenal. They're not going to lose on my birthday, are they? No, they, they, they wouldn't do that. James and I will be here on Monday with an Arsecast Extra, looking back on everything that happened at the weekend. So let's keep fingers crossed that we can do the business, set ourselves up nicely for midweek Champions League action, and then, of course, next weekend when we're facing Manchester United. Uh, but that's all to come on next week's Arsecast. So uh, until the next one, uh, have a great weekend. Come on, Arsenal, do it. Do it, just win. Do that. Right. Glad we've got that sorted. Catch you on the next one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Yes. Oh, do come in. Sit down, sit down. Uh, make yourself comfortable there. Very good. Um, okay, well, I, I've called you here today because, well, this is the kind of news that a man needs to impart to another man face to face. I don't like doing it over the phone because it's uh, it just doesn't feel right. I've been doing this job a very long time and this this part of it I'm afraid doesn't get any easier. But there's no escaping the truth of, of the matter. We've run the tests, we've double-checked them, we triple-checked them, and I had a colleague of mine also look over them. He's a very experienced man. And uh, his conclusion, unfortunately, was uh, the same as mine. Ah... Uh, Look, I can I can see by your face that this is not altogether unexpected. You must have known deep down that something was, was wrong for some time now, and uh, medical science has reached a point where we can be almost 100% sure of what it is. And um, look, I, I can let you have a read of the, the charts if you like. Here you go. Um, it's, quite, it's quite conclusive, I'm afraid. Uh, it shows that... that Oh, it's so hard that uh, you're an absolute cunt. What is this? What? What is this? For what? Why? Why? What is this? What? What is this? For what? Why? What? What is this?